it's all change at backbench. It is with great sadness that Daniel's tenure as editor-in-chief has come to an end, but we have to replace him an equally extraordinarily capable journalist who I have the privilege of chatting to today. Um, Mahin and I will be chatting about the state of modern journalism and the future direction of travel for this great institution that we have built up. I'm Mihir Joshi, and this is Backchat. Here now with more news, debate, and opinion. Today on this episode, episode of Backchat with Mahin Baharana, who is our new editor at Backchat. Um, hi, Mahin. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you? Uh, very, very well. I'm kind of, you know, it's just kind of working on an essay, but Backchat takes priority, as you should be <laughs> glad to know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to begin by um, congratulating you. First of all, congratulations on becoming general editor. It's a big role. I am, um, you know, I presume you've been quite busy with it so far. Um, would I be correct in assuming? Oh yeah, yeah. It's been a a busy job. Like I've um, I've kind of moved into moved into this role after a year um, on the team, and um, you know, I've got big boots to fill. Daniel was like a great editor in chief, and you know, now it's 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 kind of yeah just getting to grips with things and hopefully eventually I'll be able to kind of leave my mark on the on 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 backbench as a whole but for now it's just kind of familiarizing myself with everything perfect so I mean you know I just had this kind of general question um what do you think backbench is for obviously you know we have a lot of media Mm -hmm. organizations that kind of fulfill different roles and everyone's prying to kind of be the best media organization going what what do you think is backbench's role in this kind of diverse media landscape that we've got yeah so i i think i think with backbenches obviously particularly targeted at young people students um but it's also very much focused on giving a wide range of opinions a voice and i do think you know in my time kind of with backbench i've noticed that that we, we we're good at that we're really good at getting a lot of diverse voices in and i think that's really important um, and giving diverse voices um, a platform to air their opinions and hopefully um, for that opinion to become more of a dialogue. And that is something I want to see going forward, more of a dialogue between our writers. Um, yeah, I think Backbench is very much about putting all opinions on this platform that is open and openly and, and can e- each each opinion can be equally kind of upheld as well as equally criticised. Um, and I think that's a really important thing. Um, obviously, you know, we, we don't we don't have anything that is kind of offensive or or inflammatory, particularly on our platform. But we do have a broad, broad range of opinions. And I think that's very important in this age of kind of, um, you know, where where most of the media we do consume is partisan. I think trying to to stay nonpartisan or at least to, to stay kind of representative of um a range of views that young people have is is really important yeah totally agree with that um unsurprisingly um i think so what kind of direction do you want to take backbench in as in is there anything that you have in mind that you want to you know focus on is there anything new that you want to create um sorry for putting you on the spot here but you know i was just wondering (laughs) like what's the kind of direction you want to take backbench in 
so so these are quite early thoughts and obviously you know things could change they might not be realized but as it stands you know we're looking to definitely broaden out our kind of commissioning and to broaden out um that dialogue as i, as I mentioned between between writers maybe by encouraging with, with more encouragement to kind of respond to pieces um we could potentially you know see a letters section letters to the editor which would be quite nice um you know comments on 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 writing from the week um and potentially we could even diversify into kind of broader media cartoons possibly or even just ideas for cartoons like just opening it up to you know different style people different people's styles of 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 of, of commentary on the news because you know not everybody wants to kind of write 800 words uh, about an issue people want to do things in different ways and and I think that would be quite nice to open up the platform um to more people uh, and definitely I want to see more new writers joining more people finding their voice um uh, and developing and I definitely want we, we've always focused on this mentorship aspect of of backbench um and I, I would love to see us strengthening that going forward um and you know with, with our editorial team who, who are all fantastic um you know, I would love for everybody to kind of start becoming a bit of a mentor towards our writers. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm going to digress here, but Natasha, for example, the um, back chat editor from last year has been mm. such a fantastic mentor. Big shout out to Natasha if you're listening. Um, so I seriously <laughs> yeah. agree. Like, I think, you know, I think mentorship is so important, especially in journalism, where um, yeah. it's difficult to kind of get a foothold. Um, and I think mm. people like Natasha and like obviously I think everyone on the editorial team actually is so, so helpful with that. Um, yeah, and definitely. I'm glad to hear that, you know, that's something that we're going to try and continue. Definitely. It's definitely a priority going forward and, and just making sure because journalism or, or writing in itself can be quite an isolating thing. So I think it's important that you know, people people do feel like they they somebody they can lean on, somebody they can rely on while they're trying to write, somebody that they can help that can help them to make sense of of things, to navigate some kind of tricky things if they need a portfolio putting together, stuff like that. To to, to for us to kind of you know, as much as our writers are there for backbench, we want to be there for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the next question I wanted to focus on, we wanted to expand this discussion to just being about the uh, the media in general. So, I mean, you know, just in general, it's a bit, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, a holistic question. But um, what, what do you think is the state of the press today? Should we be proud of the British press? Or, you know, are there things yeah. do you, th- you think we should improve? I mean, you know, there's been a lot of criticisms of the, uh, of the press uh, in the well, actually, in the press itself, um, <laughs> for being too biased, maybe too kind of, as you said, one-sided. Do you think these are things that, uh, you know, as an industry, we ought to try and improve? So I think, I think it is is it's an interesting one because right now we are looking at kind of most major UK newspapers actually being owned by billionaires, really, and it's quite frightening and. Um, I, I think at least to think that the the press that the independence of the press is definitely something that is under threat to a certain extent. Um, but I do find I do find that there is a certain element of of confusion or or, or I think that there's so many debates over the state of the press today that I worry that that something is kind of there's something unsettling about these debates um I read a very good article a couple maybe even a couple of years ago now it's Helen Lewis in the New Statesman she was talking about the the propensity of very you know hard right-wing 
wingers and then hard left wingers to kind of um, savage the the mainstream media, which is kind of a common common trope that's, that's, and, and, and insult that's directed at, you know, papers even very much or, or, or news organisations like the BBC. Um, and it comes from both hard right, hard left, maybe even slightly softer right, softer left as well. Um, and it's and I think, you know, I think we do have problems. I think we do have issues where there is there are a lot of media outlets that are not independent, that are controlled by people who are directing their views. And, you know, that a lot of media is consumed of that media is consumed by a lot of, our, of people in the UK. But then we also do have the issue where, you know, the media generally is so um, kind of attacked by the people it scrutinises that I'm very worried that that it won't be able to do its job simply because I think there's an element of conspiracy theory, kind of conspiracy theory surrounding the media, if you see what I mean. Um, there's a an element where both sides are attacking the media and I think this is particularly relevant when it comes to the BBC which you know it definitely I I would say there are elements of the BBC that are biased towards the right there are elements of the BBC that are biased towards the left but I do think the fact that the BBC is attacked by both the right and the left may be a sign that it's doing its job quite well um, Mm -hmm. of being a neutral um, broadcaster Um, but then I, I noticed those attacks from both the right and the left and the assaults upon it. And I don't think the BBC is going to survive in, in, in the way we know it for much longer. And I don't think it would have survived in the way that we know it, say we say we had seen miraculously a Corbyn government. I, I do think that there are elements of, you know, extreme politics or, or, or the type of politics that we see, populist politics that we see now, that are very anti-media, they're very anti-scrutiny. Um, and I think that's what we've got to worry about going forward. The question, you know, people refusing to allow criticism of themselves and their policies, and criticism mm-hmm. is healthy, and that that's, that's very important going forward, that the media is allowed to be free and allowed to criticise. Um, and people who are criticised, you know, step up and do their jobs I mean like the Guardian had a brilliant well a very kind of a, a quite hard-hitting article in the Guardian really about um anti-semitism on the far left it wasn't particularly it was talking about ex-Labour members um there were a lot of comments saying this is a smear campaign this is a smear campaign against Labour but you know good journalism will point out the facts where it finds them and we we can't attack fact we really yeah, can't and the absolutely. Guardian you know yeah it's a good it's a good organization i think by and large but fact is being attacked and that's that's something that's quite difficult to verify actually in this age of kind of this proliferation of social media kind of hard to work out what the facts actually are Mm -hmm. spot on so um just to kind of move the conversation along Mm -hmm. um we've had a few kind of you know, the journalistic industry has had a few kind of issues. So mm-hmm. um, there was the phone hacking, News of the World scandal. Um, mm-hmm. There's been questions about how the press kind of treats celebrities and whether they're, you know, with the, with the, with the sad death of um, Caroline Fleck, for example, about the press mm-hmm. kind of hounding people. Um, and a lot of kind of the politicians and, uh, you know, a lot of celebrity reactions to such things has been kind of a knee-jerk um kind of we have to censor the press uh you know mm-hmm. uh, the, so what the Levison report suggested for example um I don't know what you think about this I mean I'll just 
obviously we shouldn't be too kind of opinionated on on the podcast but mm. at a personal level i'm very very strongly against kind of press freedom uh, not press freedom sorry press censorship for as, as long as it's possible um i don't know what you think what do you think do you think the press needs more restrictions to ensure that it's uh it's kind of doing it's mm. best and not kind of encouraging um, smear campaigns or hatred towards um, celebrities or yeah. um, politicians? I think it's a very difficult one to call because I suppose in all circuits, I think it's it's difficult to say this method is completely disallowed because diff- the same method could be used to achieve, you know, very different aims, very different kind of aims. And I think, you know, when the method such as, uh, such as phone hacking, which which is obviously, you know, illegal, phone hacking is illegal. Um, but when such a thing is deployed to kind of target individuals or target people who are kind of, you know, yeah, they're just ordinary individuals and really in quite a sad situation. Um, you know, that seems gratuitous. It seems unnecessary. Um, and I think, you know, there is a certain part of the press there is a certain element of the press that exists to to kind of act on interests that are already there in the public and to magnify them um and those those public interests i suppose you you know take say for example you know news about the royal family that is already kind of that always kind of simmers away in the public interest and then certain elements of the press like to turn that into kind of you know to to derive multiple stories from that and sometimes you know use irresponsible methods like i, I remember kate middleton the nudes from kate middleton that mm. people had illegally snapped um you know that's terrible it's so invasive um i don't see there that there is a legitimacy in that i don't see that there is a legitimacy in news that is produced purely to titillate or purely to sell papers i mean there's a business case for it but i don't I don't think, and I think that, you know, if you're you're a news organisation, you do have to be pragmatic about the fact that you need to sell papers, you need to kind of uh, reach audiences, you need to generate income somehow, um, especially if you are kind of, that, that you know, you exist as a, as a business. But, you know, that that pragmatism doesn't have to be everything. It, it doesn't it doesn't have to take away from an ideology to actually deliver news, which I, I don't think Kate Middleton sunbathing however she wishes to sunbathe is news um it, it it's very much I, I i do think that if news outlets forget that their p- primary purpose is to inform and to engage and think of themselves only as money-making machines then we've kind of lost the true sense of what the press should be and and, mm-hmm. and then i guess if the press loses sense of itself then it does need a little bit of guidance um to put it back on the right track i guess i guess you could look at it from that perspective yeah i mean i totally agree with everything you said i i guess the question a lot of um i mean the, it, i don't know if you remember but newspapers were very kind of united on this i think i correct me if i'm wrong it was mm. i can't remember what was it section what was the um the leveson inquiry thing whereby local kind of newspapers were going to be with like liable for libel damages um is it section eight i don't know i don't know the number but yeah um so i mean most the entirety of the press were pretty um were pretty united so whether this be in a hilarious kind of move the guardian and the telegraph were campaigning for Mm. the same thing um so i guess the question then is if we're so kind of against 
that if I mean, you know, we totally agree that the problem, you know, the press does use irresponsible methods. Right. The question then is, how do we, how do we get them back on track? Because I feel like a lot of journalists recoil against state mm. intervention in the press, for example. So yeah. is there kind of, do you think there's a way of like self-censoring perhaps? Perhaps the mm. editors need to like reconsider some of their stories. How do you think we can go about that? Yeah, I think punitive measures against um, journalists or, you know, I mean, punitive measures against journalists are, are worrying wherever they kind of take place usually. Um, I mean, and 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 obviously this is different. Well, I suppose it's difficult to say, but it, it, if if you look at what's happening to journalists in places like Turkey at the moment, you are mm-hmm. seeing, you know, state intervention and also kind of attacks by the state on upon upon journalists and, you know, journalists not being allowed to say what they want to say. And I suppose it is, it's, it's very easy to say there's a slippery slope, you know, once you start saying that, you, you know, t- t- you know, slapping a journalist on the wrist for, for using irresponsible methods, like, you you know, you could do anything, but ultimately you can do much worse to them for doing something you simply disagree with as a state. Um, so it is, it is difficult. There does need to be perhaps, you know, a kind of independent body that is, that is, you know, looking perhaps at news outlets and um not so much censoring them but providing maybe a code of conduct something mm-hmm. like that a code of conduct would be good to have across the industry um it is as you say quite difficult and i think getting journalists back on side will definitely definitely you know all the attacks on them on, on on kind of not just on a global scale but in the uk when you see kind of attacks on you know, journalists who are, you know, trying to report honestly, truthfully, faithfully, and who are being called, you know, all manner of awful things online and being, and being, you know, told that they're kind of, I don't know, just accessories of evil or whatever, for simply kind of writing their opinion or even writing fact. Um, I think those things are, are obviously going to make it much more difficult for journalists to trust kind of independent bodies or or any sort of intervention because you know those kind of attacks you know they don't need they don't kind of deserve those kind of attacks whereas you know if a journalist is behaving irresponsibly and using methods that are invasive um and difficult then then those then that kind of behavior should be you know should should see some there should be some kind of repercussions for that kind of behavior but when you kind of see such widespread attacks on journalists for all manner of things all of that kind of all those kind of reprimands get mixed up into one so I suppose we need to take a step back and start being more selective about what we what we criticize journalists for or what we kind of at least punish journalists for perhaps mm-hmm. there's something there's something to be said about that it's a bit of a kind of you know if you make everything evil people can't di- differentiate between what is actually evil and what isn't either I, I mean i'm just throwing yeah out no that's it. that's spot on um i totally agree with that as well um so i think my next question was uh obviously like we've already mentioned the journalistic community is kind of built mm. a lot on mentoring um what do you think we can do as journalists to help each other achieve kind of the best stories and write and well not only write but kind of talk about the best things is is that how can journalists kind of work together to ensure that we're exposing truth um Mm. do you have any ideas on that so for me i think it's very much about getting as many opinions into the mix as possible but it's also about journalists 
not being lazy. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to do to 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 be a slightly lazy journalist. Um, I mean, I, I know I've done it myself. Um, <laughs> it, it's easy to just look at an opponent, well, not an opponent, but somebody who disagrees with you, their their view, their argument, and to kind of resort to attacking it in a way that doesn't really take down the fact, doesn't really take down the point that they're making, um, and is just rhetorical. Um, as opposed to being a, a proper dissection of what they're saying. And I think that can be very off-putting to people who are coming to you with other views and opinions. And I, and I think it's not just about being careful to properly listen to your fellow journalists, but it's about being careful to properly listen to those who aren't journalists, to the voices of kind of more ordinary people. Because if you can't relate well to ordinary people who maybe don't have the same you know it's skills of writing as you do as a journalist um if you can't relate well to them if you can't take the time to understand them then how are you going to how are you going to kind of um you know make yourself appealing to journalists who have a different opinion or different view from you um and I think we all have to collaborate we all have to work together um I really do think we need to make sure that we are exposing ourselves to as many different views as possible um and are open to as many different views as possible um and I do think it is a it is a shame when we when we find ourselves just you know resorting to ad hominem attacks or criticizing people for for virtually uh no reason because it is it is lazy journalism but it's also it's also failing to do one thing that we should always be doing as journalists and it's, and that is being being open, being questioning mm-hmm. and being empathetic. I think that's a really important quality as journalists. So being empathetic is is not is it is about trying to see ultimately most of journalism comes down to human subjects and to what the impact is on humans. I think that's the the kind of core of all journalism really. Um so yeah, being being prepared to and try and understand the people who are at the heart of most issues is is really important. Um, and then if you understand the people, your fellow journalists will, I think, open up to you as a journalist. Cool. Yeah. Um, just a final question just about the future mm. of the media landscape. Um, I don't know if you've seen the news, but the Times and Sunday Times are now starting a radio channel a radio station um called times radio and they're kind of hiring journalists from across the board so people like stephen pienaar for example is coming over from the bbc um and obviously the first thing when i heard this that came to mind was how in america you have a lot of kind of talk show hosts and everything so politically polarized um you know i mean i'd argue that lbc already for example is kind of a very it seems to be a very kind of american type import do you think this is something that news organizations might try exploit i mean obviously i know because of ofcom re- uh, regulation we, we can't have tv news that is anywhere on as biased as fox news or msnbc for mm. example but do you think this is something newspapers like the times the telegraph the guardian might want to expand given that our society is so yeah. divided on so many different issues do you think do you think the direction of the media, unfortunately, is going to become more polarised and more biased and this is the direction they're going to go in? Um, I think definitely that's what we're seeing. But also I think the, the big thing to note with this is perhaps that the media, it's not so much that it's becoming 
polarized, which which it is, but it is becoming commercialized increasingly. Mm. Um, we're seeing that kind of uh, newspapers, news outlets pursuing the most viable commercial option. And sometimes that most viable commercial option can come in the form of the opinion that you disseminate. Um, and that's that's quite a big issue, I think. And that's that's what I think that's the issue that we see in America is that everything, you know, is so commercialized. I mean, some a friend of mine was telling me about, I don't know anything about it, but was telling me about American football the other day telling me that um you know they stop it every sort of 20 seconds to have another ad break or something and i was thinking this is <laughs> that that's the commercial i like the commercial kind of acumen behind that is immense but also it's it's not great it's not great is it really when you think about no, what not. is actually being delivered to the viewers to the audience and unfortunately there's a there's a bit of, of that probably going on with our news um and there's kind of less of a space in society for news outlets to just be that to be news outlets mm-hmm. and yeah that's that's so, usually that's when we're going to see irresponsible methods being used i suppose because their objective is to sell to make money as opposed yeah. to to inform yeah absolutely i mean i was just thinking when you said the american football thing if there was an ad break every 20 second, seconds for a Premier League game, I'd be very, very irritated. I don't think British people would be able to kind of take that. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been fantastic. Cheers for coming on, Maheen. Um, Thank you for having I, me. I mean, absolutely. I wish you the best for your um, editorial ship, and I will seek to, like, kind of, you know, help you with anything that you need. <laughs> of course, of course. No, and definitely... Um, for everyone listening, do listen to this. This is a very, very good uh, part of our output, and I'm very proud of it that we've got this podcast going. Cheers. Thank you. Um, cheers for coming on. Thank you, Mia.